Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of The Cup Interviews, brought to you by Cup of Hemlock Theatre. This is actually episode 101 of the series. A few weeks ago, we released our 100-episode roundtable, and then we gave ourselves a couple weeks off as a well-deserved break as we celebrate the milestone, but now we are back and coming in hot with some exciting content to inaugurate the new fiscal year, theater season, whatever you want to call it, post 100. So I am joined today, oh, my name is Ryan Barakovich. I will be hosting this episode, and I am joined today by Jade Walker, who is a playwright, poet, multifaceted theater artist who is currently preparing for the Vancouver Fringe run of the play Bruno and Hagenfritz. I hope I'm pronouncing that right, Hagenfritz? Yes. Wow, yes. you're the first person oh, really? to pronounce it correctly. Congratulations. <laughs> uh, well, this play has been at the Toronto Fringe Festival. We unfortunately did not get to review it in our Fringe Roundup episode. But now we've brought Jade on the show to talk about the piece and be prepared for everything that's coming up, especially with the Vancouver Fringe run. So, Jade, how are you today? I'm all right. <laughs> I'm okay. I'm surviving. <laughs> that, that's the spirit. We're so glad to have you on the show. we got to begin with our favorite question, though. What is in your cup today? So I have a cup of orange Pico tea. Oh, lovely. In the skull of an ex-boyfriend. Oh, okay. Who, who uh, was a demon. Well, then that seems like a good use of the skull. Yep. <laughs> there are worse uses for a skull. You always hear about those, like, I don't know, old Shakespearean actors or directors who always want their skulls to be donated to productions right. of Hamlet after they die, but I like turning it into a mug a lot better. And in my mug, I have coffee at the moment, and it's in my The Cup Cup. Hey, that's the show we're watching right now. Cool. So, yeah, just to get us started, we're going to talk about Bruno and Hagenfritz in more detail in a little bit, but I'd like to just start with a little about yourself personally as a theater artist, maybe some stuff about like, how did you first get into theater, some of your primary roles in the industry, maybe some relevant training, influences, experiences, earlier projects, etc, etc. The floor is yours to describe yourself as you please. Sure. So I first got into theater acting in school plays. So, so my many first, of us do. <laughs> so my first role ever was a lullaby league munchkin in The Wizard of Oz. Nice. But I didn't really have a passion for it then. You know, like I was too young to really <laughs> comprehend or, you know, have any strong feelings towards it. It was just kind of something I was pushed into because my sister did that. And yeah, I just, I did that too. And then I didn't really get into theater acting until I was part of her theater company, my sister, Aaron J. Walker's theater company, which at the time was called Bumble Tea Theater, but then grew into Tinker Space Theater. Nice. So she was 17, creating original work in London, Ontario, when no one else was. <laughs> and then I was just hooked from that point onwards i was in her play twicken's book which was a, a very surreal absurd play and just had a little role in that and i was addicted ever since it was on at tap in london ontario and yeah that was really how i discovered my passion for acting and then writing i didn't really get you know take my writing seriously until high school but even then, I didn't share it with anyone. And I, at the time, I'm still writing this novel, actually. <laughs> Hope, 
hoping that I can get a first draft written of this novel <laughs> by the fall. I was really into writing fiction, but I found that I liked writing the dialogue a lot. And my drama teacher, Julia Webb, told me that I should try playwriting. And that's how I got into playwriting. So without Julia Webb, I wouldn't be a playwright. <laughs> Shout out to Julia Webb if you're watching. This is all you. <laughs> yes, absolutely. No, it's always and, lovely to have those encouraging drama teachers or English teachers who just kind of push you to, you know, try something new and find out you really have a passion for it. Yeah. And then I started writing plays and I, I didn't know if my writing was any good. Like, there aren't very many outlets for young writers to share their writing. And so to be able to do that in high school in my final year and share that scene that I wrote and, you know, to see the audience with tears streaming down their faces because <laughs> they were laughing so hard. Like, I had no idea that my writing could elicit that response or reaction from people. And so then I started writing Bruno Hongerberts. <laughs> so that was your second play? Like that? Yes. Wow. Right after high school? Yes. Wow, that's impressive. <laughs> and it was a three-page comedy sketch. It, it wasn't a full play <laughs> at all. <laughs> okay. And then I workshopped it at the Grand Theatre in London, Ontario, which is the biggest theatre in London, Ontario, like right out of high school. I just submitted it on a whim to something called the Playwrights Cabaret. And my year was the last year that this existed. It doesn't exist anymore. And yeah, and then I just kept writing it because people wanted more of it. People wanted it to be longer and they wanted it to be a full play. And it was performed at the McManus Theater under the Grand. And yeah, the rest is history. <laughs> and I just kept workshopping it. Oh, okay. And it grew. And grew. Wow, that's wonderful. Like, that's quite the journey trajectory. Very impressive and, you know, quite accomplished at that stage for your second attempt at a play to already have grown into this wonderful, remarkable piece. You're also a poet, I believe, correct? Yes. Um, yeah. Do you find that your poetry writing and your playwriting ever commingle or bounce off each other, or do you see them as very separate activities? I actually see them as very separate. And, you know, I wrote poetry in high school, but again, I never shared it with anyone. You know, I didn't share, I didn't share it until, and then I ended up publishing a book of it <laughs> um, because I did a contest that was a write a poem a day contest in May of 2020. And whoever could do that and submit a poem a day got their poetry published to Bookleaf Publishing. And so, yeah, and then I, I just shared it online. You know, I just thought, okay, it's, you know, I have all this poetry. It's time. It's time to share it. Because it's just been, you know, sitting on my computer and, yeah, I have to share it. I find that a lot of my poetry is heavily inspired by nature and my own healing, healing from trauma. And I find that it's also a lot of the time, I'll write songs and, you know, the songs are the poetry. So, yeah, I can envision them more as songs or maybe like performative pieces 
but it isn't something that I have. Um, it's something that I've wanted to experiment with, you know, having it be like a whole atmospheric theatrical song and piece of multidisciplinary performance. But I've never, I haven't gotten around to it yet. <laughs> there's time. You're still quite, as you just said, quite new at this. And there's a lot of time to experiment. And now that you've had this great liftoff with your poetry book and now with Bruno and Hagen Fritz, I think there's lots of interesting avenues for you to develop and experiment further. And I think that's so cool that, you know, May of 2020, you said, when so many people were stagnating creatively and life in general, and you became a published poet in that time, <laughs> in the middle of the pandemic, or the height of the early days of the pandemic. So that's very impressive. A silver lining. <laughs> yeah, there had to be some, right? <laughs> okay, well, you've already started talking about the development process of Bruno and Hagen Fritz, but let's just start for those who maybe you know, didn't get a chance to see it in Toronto or other French festivals and are maybe excited to see it in Vancouver on the fence about whether or not they will see it in Vancouver. Give us your elevator pitch. How would you describe the play Bruno and Hagen Fritz to somebody who has not seen it to try to entice them to come? Bruno and Hagen Fritz is a play about an insane man with magical furniture who falls in love with his postman. Okay, yeah, that's as far as elevator pitches go. Okay, I'm going to get off the elevator now, but I want to see that play. That sounds great. <laughs> yeah, no, I think that's that. Wow. How, I guess I got to ask to go into the next question. What inspired you to write that? That's, you, you talked about when you wrote it and how it developed from like something short into the full like play it is now. But where did this idea come from? <laughs> Falling in love. Hmm. With a postman? <laughs> Not with a postman. Falling in love and loneliness and depression and struggling with my own mental health and trauma, PTSD, and how that affected my psyche. Okay. Well, thank you for sharing that. And I think, yeah. A lot of people will come see the play and probably, you know, feel certain things, maybe come up with certain, you know, responses, emotions, memories. I guess we should maybe ask now, just this seems like the time while you're talking about this territory anyway, are there specific content warnings that you feel people might find triggering if they're planning on seeing the show? There's reference to sexual abuse mm -hmm. in it. So, yeah. Okay. <laughs> so... You have been warned. People <laughs> might be uncomfortable with that. And we, you know, obviously want to respect and treat theater as the safe space that we all hope it can be. Okay. Well, thank you for sharing that. Yeah. So before we get on to the next question, I guess, you know, the title of the play is very striking. Bruno and Hagenfritz, I understand it is just the two characters' names, but they are quite strange names, or at least, well, Bruno is a normal name that has maybe <laughs> entered the discourse a lot more through things like Encanto lately. Yeah, yes. we don't talk about that. But what about Hagen Fritz? Like, where did this title and these character names come from? Or are they just, you know, just my mind, your mind? Well, I guess that's the best place. <laughs> You're the writer. That makes sense. So uh, I, like I said, we didn't get a chance to see it in Toronto. We had the Cup of Hemlock team, but you did send us a video that was made of it. So I got a chance to watch that before doing this interview with you. And watching it, you maybe alluded to this earlier, but I definitely felt like it belongs in my mind very squarely within the category of theater of the absurd, along with like writers like Samuel Beckett or Eugene Ionesco. 
Do you feel that this is an accurate description of the play? Or if yes or no, in what ways does the piece fit within or maybe even resist that dramatic tradition? Yes, I definitely do think that it's absurd. Mm-hmm. I would say that it's surreal as well. Dark comedy. <laughs> as so many absurd plays are. <laughs> and heavily inspired by British comedy. British in comedy. particular, Monty Python. Yes. I bit of Brian Laurie, Blackadder. <laughs> yes, I definitely got those vibes while watching it. I, and like, perhaps this is maybe a little too on the nose a comparison, but Pee-wee's Playhouse also came to mind. I'm not sure. <laughs> how familiar you are with that, but just certain things happening with furniture couldn't help <laughs> perhaps creating those types of connections. Yeah, the furniture moves itself in this play. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, if people are very, you know, strict realists that don't like abstract pieces, maybe this isn't the show for them. No, <laughs> definitely <laughs> not. Or, or genre-bending theater or you know, multidisciplinary theater. <laughs> for sure. So this play is produced by Tyler Lionel Parr, who plays the role of Hagen Fritz in it, under the banner of his company Figurehead Theater. So how did that collaboration come about? So Tyler was the first actor to ever play Hagen Fritz hmm. at the Playwrights Cabaret. Back to the Playwrights Cabaret. <laughs> and yeah, he fell in love with the role <laughs> and wanted to produce it. He believed in me. He believed in the play. He loved it so much that he wanted to produce it. And he and I have been talking about touring it for a very long time. So, yeah, I think that it was, I mean, we were going to until the end of the pandemic. And you became a published poet. (laughs) I became a published poet (laughs) in that time frame. And then we were just waiting to produce Mm -hmm. Bird on Autographs and, yeah, give it the tour that it deserves. Very nice. I think it is a very fringy play. (laughs) Oh, I would definitely agree with that. It has that kind of fringe feel, which, you know, some people like might not even know, well, what do you mean fringy play? (laughs) But when you see it, you know, it kind of has this, (laughs) like, I feel like rough around the edges isn't even the right way to describe it, but it is just very much, you know, small cast, very strange, experimental belongs in that kind of space. I'd have a hard time picturing Mervish, like wanting to pick it up, not anything against its merits, just because it doesn't necessarily fit into that type of you know, large mainstream appeal that, you know, big musicals Mm -hmm. like they typically do or large plays, you know, (laughs) although perhaps that's something that we could change or (laughs) in the years we'll see how things go. I hope that changes. Yeah, well, keep writing and maybe it will. Mm -hmm. So this I thought was interesting in much of the publicity materials for the piece, you include a testimonial quote from Canadian theater icon Daniel McIver who describes the piece as, quote, sublime, end quote. In what context did he encounter the play and make this appraisal? So Daniel MacGyver was at the London Public Library (laughs) as the writer-in-residence there. I know. Hard to believe. It's, yeah, very, talk about surreal. (laughs) Why is Daniel MacGyver in London, Ontario at all? But he was. And he was also workshopping a one-man show of his at the Grand Theatre. Mm. And he wanted feedback on that and did, you know, a, a, an experimental performance of it for a couple nights. But while he was at the London Public Library, anyone from the community could make an appointment with Daniel MacGyver and give him their writing and get feedback on it. Okay. And so I did. <laughs> 
brought him the script and he read so. it and said, Sublime, here you go. <laughs> yeah, after he read my script, that's what he said. Wow. <laughs> that's really cool. Do you know if he happened to see it at any of the fringes that has happened so far? Or I don't know if he's currently in Toronto. Or... He isn't in Toronto right now. Okay. I invited him to it and he said that he would have come see it, but he's in Fredericton. Okay, <laughs> fair enough. I know a couple mm-hmm. years ago, he was doing his master's at the University of Toronto, where I'm currently doing my PhD. So while we and I have not met personally, we have shared Zoom space at faculty meetings. But because it was during the pandemic, I don't imagine he necessarily even had to be in Toronto to attend the University of Toronto, mm-hmm. which was all online at the time. Okay, but shame that he couldn't make it, but very nice of him to give that appraisal. And yeah, I hope he sees the performance of it. Yeah, well, if it keeps touring and finding its place in other houses across the country, hopefully he'll get a chance one day. Maybe it should go to Fredericton next. (laughs) Yes. So I wanted to ask a bit about, because you're, in addition to writing it, you're also the director of the play, or at least this production of it. So how do you find the experience of directing your own work? So I never thought that I would be a director ever. Hmm. I thought that creatively you know i um i was always a piece of the puzzle but i was never orchestrating it i could never see the full picture of a show and i just thought that was too much responsibility and that i wouldn't be able to do that uh and then i started directing my own work in toronto and loved it okay and yeah and again i just i got hooked and i had to keep doing it And um, I think that I would be, I would definitely be more uncomfortable for me to to direct someone else's writing. I enjoy directing my own writing. Yeah, yeah, I I really like it. Yeah, that would make sense, especially with a piece this abstract, where you maybe would be a little more reluctant about handing it off to someone. Will they get exactly what you're going for? Can they picture the images that you've very clearly pictured when you wrote it down? Uh, yeah, I think with a piece like that, it perfect makes perfect sense that you would want to at least, at least on this first foray, try handling it for yourself. Would you be open to letting others direct it down the line if someone else says, oh, I love that play, but I want to do a completely different twist on it? Would that be something you'd be interested in? Yes, yeah, mm-hmm. of course. I'd be open to other directors directing it. Yeah, that's good. Mm-hmm. And do you think you might direct your own plays that you might write in the future? Will you always kind of want to take hold of the first productions of them? I like doing it first. (laughs) You'd be the first one, set the precedent and let others come in and maybe do something different as long as you get the claim on this is what the show looks like the first time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. So it's been touring right now. Was Toronto the first stop on the tour? Yes. Yeah. And then it's going to Vancouver shortly after this interview goes live. Were there other stops in between? Did I read that correctly somewhere? No. So we were going to, we were going to try to do Victoria Fringe. We were waitlisted for it, Hmm. but we didn't end up doing that. Um, So when it was in Toronto, it was at the Tarragon Theater main space, which is a dream venue of mine. So yeah, that was amazing. (laughs) Yeah. So do you know which venue you're in Vancouver yet? Yes, we're in a place called The Nest. So it's a studio theater, so not as big. I really wanted to see this show performed on a larger stage, like the Terracon Theater main space, because it's only been performed in black box theaters, and I know that it does well in them. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it really meant a lot to me to be able to do it 
on a larger scale, like the largest scale <laughs> we could possibly do um, and see if it worked. And it, it, it definitely did. Yeah. Like, are you finding that you now have to scale it back down to accommodate this new space? Is it maybe changing some of the direction a little bit? Every time you're in a new space, it changes. <laughs> okay. In a good way? Yeah. Yeah. That's good. <laughs> I'm happy to hear it. Yeah, well, it's interesting. So I guess you can't really comment yet on how no. <laughs> Vancouver is going, if that's only the second stop and final stop on the tour for now, I believe. Is that correct? We wanted to do a couple nights in London, Ontario. So we're trying to spin that. Mm-hmm. And then we might do it for a couple nights in Toronto. Okay. Just because the Toronto cast wants to do it again right. so badly. So, so it is a different cast in each city. Yeah, my... My Vancouver cast is all different except for Tyler. Okay, he's he loves this role so much. He <laughs> will travel with it everywhere, which makes yes. sense if he's also producing it. How have you gone about finding these casts in different cities? Like, do you have contacts in Vancouver that you called up, or did you some have an audition process? I had an audition process, and I posted on Equity's mm-hmm. website for Vancouver, and then asking around and discovering who else is in the festival right too mm-hmm. that's good yeah i feel like we don't often hear the perspectives of people who tour shows that have malleable casts often like when people do a touring for a show it's like it's my one person show so all i have to do is hop on a plane and maybe bring a stage manager or maybe find a stage manager in the city but yeah in a play like this that has it's four person cast i'm remembering correctly right yeah yes yeah, yeah. it's odd that it's odd that theater is a rarity mm-hmm. at the theater festival that is oh, yeah. the fringe oh, yeah. <laughs> that is what the fringe well has yeah it depends become. on how we define theater in a broad canvas but certainly like playwriting itself in like scripted drama in that way that isn't necessarily monologues or one person shows or a one person or... show yeah yeah those definitely tend to be the fringe festival staples but yeah it's always a refreshing fresher breath of fresh air when we have <laughs> an exciting, weird, cool play like yours that I hope you definitely get out a lot of people into the audience in Vancouver. Okay. So so you have the plans after Vancouver to possibly do it again in London. Any other ideas after that? Has anyone maybe expressed interest in alternative productions or right now it's I, just wait and see? I have a UK cast oh. who wants to do it. Well, that's yeah. exciting. Mm-hmm. I would love to do a UK tour of it. Okay possibly for next year's French circuit or are you thinking even sooner next year it would be next year <laughs> or later mm-hmm. well that'd be exciting and I hope you manage to get that together would it then be the same cast performing in multiple UK venues or maybe just one or different casts in different cities I don't know <laughs> too, too early too much logistics sorry to be asking all this I'm just excited that oh, it's gonna have an international afterlife which sounds really cool. So that's about all of my questions about Bruno and Hagenfurt specifically. But before we sign off, I do want to ask what's next for you personally, aside of from Bruno and Hagenfurt. Do you have any other forthcoming projects, ideas? You mentioned a novel that may or may not eventually get finished. <laughs> it will. It will get it will. finished. I believe you. That. It will be finished. Put it out into the universe and it'll happen. <laughs> um. I will finish the first draft of my novel okay. in the fall. That's great. And then I'm collaborating with a theater company in London, Ontario called First Steps Theater. First Steps. 
which, yeah, they're a young, up-and-coming theater company who's devoted to new work. And so I'll be workshopping a play of mine with them. And that will be performed in March. Oh, okay. In Ontario. Do you have a title for that play yet? Or still in development? Mona and Lisa. Mona and Lisa. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Very Da Vinci-esque. <laughs> Is it, would you say it's a similar vibe or genre or style as Bruno and Hagenfritz or completely different? I think it's quite different. Okay. And... It's reimagining historical figures as queer women. Oh, well, that's always fun. And I'm noticing a theme in this cohesive body of work. <laughs> so that's exciting. So people like Bruno and Hagenfritz, I would highly encourage people to check that out. In March, you said? We'll... Yes, March. Okay. And hopefully, we'll, if you get more information about that down the line and want to send it to us, we'd be happy to promote it for you. Okay. Well, that's about all the main questions I had. Jade, thank you so much for talking to me. And uh, I look forward to seeing what more becomes of your career, just as it's like blasting off in very exciting ways. Break legs in Vancouver to well, <laughs> the cast, but also to you for having to direct and promote and produce the piece. Yes, you can buy tickets on Vancouver Fringe's website. Okay, we'll and... put the link to that in the description of this episode. And my Instagram is Jade Angel Mind Freak. Jade Angel Mind Freak. Okay, we'll put that in the description as well. So thank you so much. For, this has been such a lovely conversation and really wishing you the best and great longevity for the show. And it's cross-country, but also possibly international escapades. <laughs> thank you. Okay, so that's it for us. Once again, this is Ryan Bronkovich from Cup of Hemlock Theatre. If you like what you just listened to, follow us. We are at COH Theatre on all platforms. If you're watching this on YouTube, like, share, subscribe, do the YouTube stuff. If you're listening to this as a podcast, do all the podcast stuff. You know the drill. Once again, thank you so much to you, Jade, and break legs. Have a great night, everyone. Take care. Thank you. Bye.